You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 162. Today, I'm sitting down with Matt Ferrara, and we're talking all about how to build community inside of a new gym. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. What's up, coach? Thank you so much for joining me in another episode of the PT Profit Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Simpson. And if this is your first time hanging out with me today, thank you so much for pushing play. I'm super pumped to chat with the co-owner of Ascent Training. So I sat down with Matt today and we chatted all about what it was like to open up a brand new facility in New Hampshire, right in the middle of the pandemic. Some of the struggles, some of the most important components that has helped him really move through building a business during such a challenging time, how he's been able to facilitate a network and community of people excited to work out in his area. Inside of the episode, Matt shares that he's been a coach for at least 10 years and how he got his start, started in Boston, moved to New Hampshire with his fiance, Anna, who unfortunately couldn't make it to the recording, but he gave us a lot of insight about what they've done together, how they've built this incredible business and their plans for the future. So without further ado, let's go ahead and roll that interview. What's up, Matt? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm super pumped for today. It's going to be a great, fun conversation. So for those of us who have not had the pleasure of working with you or know who you are, I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my name is Matt Ferrara, and I'm actually the co-owner of Ascent Training and Performance, and I feel terrible because my... uh, Fiance and co-owner should be standing right here next to me, but she's actually on the coaching floor right now, um, which is like I was telling telling Beverly before the life uh, we live now. Um, But we own a training gym in Concord, New Hampshire, and we really market towards people who aren't typically comfortable in a a traditional gym setting. um, And that's really who walks mostly through our doors. Okay, amazing. I love it. So when did you open the facility? Uh, almost coming up on a year now. And so we actually share space with a, a martial arts training center, which is awesome. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So they have the front end of the facility and we have a back space. So the training center has always been there and the gym itself was there before. And then we stepped into ownership about a year ago. Amazing. So that was, you know, right in the height or not in the hype, but this was in the process of, you know, the pandemic, things are shutting down, things aren't the way that it used to be. So how did you navigate those waters and what caused you to actually open up during that time? Yeah, you know what, um, looking back, we know like it was really the right decision for us because it wasn't, it wasn't a good decision at the time. Um, and, and like, <laughs> and as with a lot of things, right? Uh, so rationally and on paper, no, it was a terrible time to open, especially an in-person business. And we were actually primarily online. 
doing remote coaching before that. Um, but just a lot of circumstantial stuff. Um, we kind of got booted out of a facility and then we were like, you know what, there's just no one serving this market, um, in these people. So we decided to open the gym in September and it kind of went from there. Um, so we've really been taking it in stride. It was never, <laughs> it was never the long-term plan, but here we are. Okay. Amazing. So how'd you get into training? Um, we've been training for a while. So me and Anna, I think between the two of us have been training for over 10 years. Um, we started in Boston, actually. Um, we went to school at Bridgewater. Yes, that's where we met. So we yeah. started coaching and training in Boston, which we, we still have like a strong affinity for. Boston has so many, so many great coaches. Um, so many great coaches. That's why I laughed. I was like, I feel like Boston is the center of strength and conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Well, the argument's always there, right? Is it like New York City or Boston? And honestly, I think it's, it's a toss up. Throw a rock in either place and you'll hit a good trainer, um, which is really, really cool. So we really got to kind of like hone our experience there amongst um, just a, a great crowd of people. Um, and then we moved up to New Hampshire, um, honestly, mostly because me and Anna aren't city people. <laughs> Interesting. Were you a, did you have an athletic background? Um, I always played sports my whole life, but no, honestly, like I'm not a sports guy. Um, and, and a lot of times like <clears throat> clients will always ask me like, oh, did you watch the Celtics last night? Um, and I know that's a, a sore subject right now for a lot of New England fans, but um, no, I'm really not that into sports. And I think that really brings like a, a unique objective though, or perspective though, to, to how we train people here. That's amazing. Anna wasn't either. You guys just fell in love with movement later in life. Uh, no, Anna was way more the athlete. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, it's really funny because when you see us demonstrate like different movements and stuff, like if anything athletic, I'm like, yeah, yeah let Anna show you that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. So now you've opened up this facility and you said you, you primarily serve the people that are not that, that need motivation to move. Right. So what are some of the, what are some of the, can you walk us through your process and how you meet a potential new client and then carry them through a a, a movement journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we actually start everyone with like a free trial. Um, okay. and even if they walk in the door that day and want to hand us a credit card, we, we won't take it. Um, and the reason being is we have like a variety of different services and, and we really thrive on like creating a really customized experience for them. So they'll do the free week. They'll try out our different services. And then from there, we can help them pick one that like really fits them and their personality. Uh, so for example, like if they're more of an introverted person, like myself, uh, I'm on a podcast right now, but I'm much more of an introvert. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not going to like big group classes, right? And ours aren't even that big. We cap them at 12, but I'm going for like a small group personal training or semi-private training uh, environment. Um, but others might thrive on like that community. So right from there, we help them match the service. And then as we go along, like, I feel like, especially if we make that right decision in the first place, we really set up success for, for consistency and adherence, right? Cause they're in an environment that they enjoy. That's so good. And I think a lot of people miss that is that they don't, you know, they, it's really important to meet people where they're at and like, you know, that, that can be hard to navigate. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the things like, how do you elicit that type of information in the conversation you're having with clients? Cause typically it's not like, Hey, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's actually through like a combination of things. And it really starts with a really lengthy intake form. 
Um, and right away, like if someone doesn't go through that, it's kind of like a self screen. Right. Um, and that's where, again, that it helps us and it helps them is like, if they're not that committed and they don't want to go through a couple of pages of questions, um, they might not be a good fit right now for them and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so it starts there, but then once we get them in the gym, we, we have a conversation in that whole free trial week. It's not just really about the services. It, that's part of it. But a lot of it is like us getting to know them. Um, and we have a small group training environment. Again, at the very most, it's 12 people in the room at the time. So we're really getting to know them as a person and helping them at the end make that decision. Because um, it's really more collaborative than it is us telling them what to do. Um, they like make their own membership at the end, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. And that's that sounds like not... That sounds like it sets you apart in the marketplace because I don't think most places around there do that. No, uh, no. And and like, and I'm not saying one way is better or worse, but again, sure. for the people that we work with uh, and we serve, it, it does give this sense of freedom and like autonomy, right? And honestly, because of that, we do actually find that people kind of stick around longer, which is ironic, right? As opposed to making them sign like a 12-month contract right, right on day one. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so then... So then can you walk us like with your people that you were working with, do you primarily have a lot of injuries? Are you dealing with pain management? Like what are some of the, the things and, and events or, or experiences? I don't want to say problems, but experiences yeah. that your people go through that you have to navigate and plan and program for. I would say we work primarily <clears throat> with two groups of people those who have had like prior experiences in the fitness industry and just didn't, didn't have a good experience um, or uh, like postpartum fitness, like, like moms who, who have had kids. Um, that's uh-huh. really honestly, most of our, our clientele. And obviously there's exceptions to that. Um, but that's the majority of it. Amazing. Okay, great. So now that you have this clientele, like what are, how do you, and you've taken this intake form, what's the assessment? Yeah, so the the intake form itself, um, we we have all that information when they walk in the door, which is great. And that really just sets like a much more casual conversational tone. Um, So the person comes in and it's really just like, hey, like I I read through the form. These are the things that kind of stood out to me. But could you tell me a little bit about yourself? And uh, let's go from there. Um, So we have a little chat and then I'll take them through a brief movement assessment. Nothing really difficult. Um, We tell them they're not even like working out on day one. Um, And again, just like lowering that barrier for getting in the door. Um, and like, it's usually like an overhead range of motion assessment. We'll do like a squat assessment, a toe touch, just some really simple stuff, but something that helps me create, um, like a, a week long trial program for them while they're there. Okay, great. So you actually are building out a, a, a one week program for them. It's not even, you're literally like, this is, this is what you're going to accomplish in a week. Yeah. And, and that's right from the beginning. And like, and honestly, it's a lot of upfront work, but it, again, it really just helps them bind the process because that uh, like throughout that program, they're getting like a binder and in their binder, they have the program printed and they're looking at it each day. And they're seeing that like they came in on day one and already on day three, like the weights are starting to go up and stuff. Um, and already on they're day like, oh, three. Cool. yeah, okay. well, so like, for example, like one of the things I like to do is if someone comes in three days a week, <clears throat> first day, we'll do like a goblet squat, right? And then the last day of the week, we'll do that goblet squat again. And already they're more confident and more comfortable with it. And maybe they're reaching for a heavier dumbbell on the rack. Uh, and right there, like, that's a win. That's awesome. Like, whether you sign up with us or not, like, good, great job. Yeah. Okay. So you're giving them wins in that week. Yeah. As many as we can. That's, uh, that's, that's the main goal. 
I see. Okay. How long do people typically stay with you? Like how long so, do you typically program for them? Yeah. So the, the cool thing is like, we're so new um, and we, I can't even really give like good turnover rates because we haven't had much. Um, and I mean, we have a lot of people that were working with us before, even online. Um, so we have some people that have been here for like five years, including the online coaching we did before. Yeah. Um, and then some that have been here the full year and then we're, we're growing slowly every day. So a lot of new people. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, I mean, people usually come for content and then stay for community often, you know, so it's really cool. So now I'm curious, like even in your week program, you know, we hear a lot, or we know that, you know, people will, will come in with, with sometimes expectations of like, I don't want to do a, you know, a boring program. So I know that coaches will feel like, how do I get the buy-in from my client? and deliver an effective progressive overload program like how do you do that uh well for us again it's like identifying those main movements that we do want to like progress um so for example like everybody comes in with like a, a squat a hinge a push and a pull um and, and like but for example like again building in those wins like uh, my favorite way to progress like a push is the push-up so everybody will come in and they'll start with a body weight push-up but we'll actually have them do it like in the squat rack and we'll load the bar on the rack. And we have like one inch increments starting at, I mean, nine feet and we go all the way down to the floor. Um, so they're seeing like visual improvements every time they're doing that push up. So again, if they do the push up on day one and they come back day three, they're already lowering that bar down and they're already seeing themselves go closer to the floor. Um, so the main movements we really like to keep consistent and show the wins and the progress in. And then it's really like the, uh, the assistance movements and, and kind of like their conditioning finishers where we'll give them a, a lot of variety for fun. Ooh, so cool. Um, and can you really progress someone from that, that quickly from like for a push up, for example, for like, um, the bar all the way down to the floor in a week? I mean, it, it really depends on the person. A lot of times it's not in the week, but we've actually been uh, blown away by how fast some people are. And granted, a lot of those people are people who had uh, like prior physical activity, took some time off and then are coming back into it. But yeah, a lot of times, um, like we have the barkers on our racks and obviously this only makes sense to us, but like the, I think it's like 10 holes from the top of the rack. If they can start there within about a month or two, they're usually at the floor, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. And that is also like a very specific, tangible result that you can communicate to someone you're going to get. Right. And it's something they care about too. Like uh, most people, at least most of the people we work with don't really care if their dumbbell bench press went from like 15 pounds to 20 pounds. That means nothing to them, but like working towards that full push up is really, really cool. That is cool. So that's interesting to me. They don't really care about the weight, but they care about whether or not they can hit a pull up. It depends on the client, but yeah, like we do, we, we attract way more people who are like, I, I want to get that first push up. I want to get that first pull up. Um, but then it is interesting because like we have strength bosses and it is cool to see people like get not in a bad way, but like caught up in like, oh, like I can deadlift heavier than I thought. And they'll see what those numbers are. Um, and especially like the sled push. A lot of times people really like pushing heavy numbers on the sled. So it depends. <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. So what are some of the challenges that you've had to face that you were unexpected or the unexpected challenges you had to face when you opened up your facility? <laughs> yeah, so we had a, we had a really unique and kind of interesting start, which I won't dive too much into. Um, but we also really just like the timing. And I think we talked about that earlier, right? Is that 
this was never like long-term planned out. And again, if it was, we definitely would have waited till after a pandemic, <laughs> um, yeah. but it was the timing of it. And, and, and in that regard too, though, we were really lucky and we found some great people who allowed us to step into this spot that's already here um, and, and kind of grow in a really smart, slow way that lets us do it the right way in, in our views and our values, which uh, we've loved. I love it. Uh, so now when you are, you know, now when you're running this facility, how have you been able to balance doing what you love coaching and then also, you know, running a business? Oh my goodness. Uh, that's a great question. And honestly, we don't have an answer yet because it's, uh, <laughs> it's really, really hard right now. Um, and I'll be completely honest with people. Yeah. And, and that's the, the funny thing is, again, this is never the long-term plan. And I actually have a bunch of great friends and mentors who are, are gym owners and they always are like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and, and you got to love it. And they mean it with love, but, and I agree, it's a lot of work and you do not have as much energy for the coaching side of things. And that's what I truly love myself is the coaching. Um, and I'm definitely much more of like the technician. I like to be on the floor coaching people, but uh, we're just so spread between like, like back of the scenes, like business stuff and on the floor coaching that, uh, it is hard to find a balance of both right now. Yeah, I, it is. I mean, cause when you open a business, whether it's online or in person, in person is just number one, your barrier of entry is so much higher than, than people really realize because you now right. you've got rent and you're going to need team. And now you got operations. Like there's just a level of commitment that online people don't necessarily need to deal with. Right. Right. Then, you know, if things break down and like all these other operation stuff that people just forget about. Those are the things we weren't ready for and not, and not in a bad way. And we've adapted and we've grown, but yeah, like, Hey, the rower's broken. Hey, the rower's broken again. Hey, the rower's <laughs> broken. And it's like, Oh God, I keep picking this thing, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's like setting aside time for that. Honestly, that's how I felt when I moved out of Manhattan into my house. It was like, uh, you know, my husband and I are looking at each other and we're like, well, let's call the landlord. And we're like, oh crap, we are the landlord. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's no one to delegate to. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so, you know, are you, are you also speaking of team, are you, do you have coaches underneath you or are you guys just all doing it right now by yourselves? Right now we're all doing it um, by ourselves, but we are uh, in the process of starting to start the hiring process. Um, and that's something we really want to, to do the right way and make sure that when we're ready to have a coach, we can provide like a really good environment and like a good potential career for them. Um, so we are just waiting and we're probably shouldering too much of the load right now and waiting too long. Uh, but I, I feel more comfortable with that right now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, and I, I asked this because, you know, the next question is, you know, are you going to also be including an educational component to help develop said coach so that you'll yeah. still get to coach, but just differently? Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's what we really care about. Right. Um, and at our facility, we do things very differently. Um, and just like in terms of like a lot of the, the culture here and the conversations on the coaching floor. And because of that, we really actually kind of want someone who doesn't have much experience in coaching and is just a really great person. Uh, And we want to help that person develop and grow and like learn fitness from like just a different point of view. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say? So speaking of education for you, what were your, some of your 
biggest mentors? What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned coming outside of school in the actual working environment that you feel like the fitness industry doesn't talk enough about? Yeah. Um, well, just in terms of like biggest mentors, I've had like a few and, and I've been so lucky to have so many great people help me in the past. Um, and like, actually, I, I know of, of you, Beverly, from from the mentorship group uh, with, with Kyle Dobbs. So he's one oh, of my mentors. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yes, and Kyle's a great guy. Yeah. And he was like really what allowed me and Anna to open the business and really be like, you guys do know what you're doing. Um, and, and like, let's make systems and put it in place. Cause we had these, all these ideas, right. And we knew what we wanted to do, but, and he really like helped us play that out. Um, so we're ever grateful for that. He's a great guy. Um, and then individually, like, I can't speak for Anna because I know she has some her herself. Um, but like, I, I remember, so I actually went to school for environmental science and I didn't love it. Uh, I still graduated with a degree. But while I was there, I kind of fell in love with training and it was like the head trainer at that gym that really like taught me what it was like to, to be a coach and, and to be also a good person while you coached. Um, and that's one of my, my big mentors as well. I love that. Was this a big box gym or a smaller gym? No, it was really cool. Actually. It was, uh, it was the community college's like campus gym oh, and cool. it, we lived in the middle of nowhere out in uh, the Berkshires in Western Mass. Um, and it was like this gem of a little gym that had like weightlifting platforms and bumper plates and, uh, all really nice equipment. It was so cool. Yeah. That's cool. And you had a great coach. He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I, I often talk to a lot of, of my, you know, my colleagues, you guys are, you know, had experience in fitness, like through college and I did it. I came way later in the game. So I always laugh because I'm like, I have no idea what, what, what was happening in high school and in college. It wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, I mean, uh, and a lot of people we know, too, don't even have degrees in fitness. But the thing is, yeah. like, sometimes those are the best coaches. Uh, uh-huh. And that's why when we said we're looking to hire someone is uh, originally we're like uh, someone right out of college because someone new. But it doesn't have to be right out of college. It could be anybody just like blank slate in, in terms of, of fitness experience, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So in terms of your continued education, how are you also sharpening the saw? Like what are some of your new mentors as you continue to grow in your business and in science? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of like the training stuff, um, I've always just been like, that's like my guilty pleasure, right? I'll, I'll overconsume training education uh, yeah. <laughs> to my own detriment, actually. So that's kind of taken care of. Uh, but where we really pivoted is like looking more for mentors that uh, are, are business mentors um, and have done like what we're doing with like the brick and mortar yeah. space. Um, just because like, again, we're realizing that that's very unique. Um, so we've been working a little bit with Business for Unicorns. Um, Love them. They were the first person I thought about. Oh uh, yeah, I was gonna say they're so great, um, and we we look forward to continuing to work with them just because they're they're great. Yeah, Mark and and Michael are amazing human beings. They really are. That and like uh, above all, like that's what we value uh, like most. Um, and they're just great humans first, and then also just happen to be incredible at what they do as well. Yes, yes, and I think that what what I love, which I can hear in your work as well, is that is the importance of creating a community. Yeah. In your facility, which can be so impossible, which can be really challenging. It is. It's really, really hard. And like, we've seen kind of uh, like the opposite end of like really toxic and harmful communities. Um, And honestly, I think that like really helped us is like, 
seeing both ends of the spectrum and realizing that like we do create like the environment for the community, but it's actually the clients that, that create it themselves. Um, like, like our walls are here and the coaches help kind of facilitate, for example, like we, like silly little things that like question of the week. And it just gets people who are like not as comfortable talking to, to start talking to each other. And, and the coaches will ask the question on the coaching floor and then everybody's talking about it. Right. And it might be people that get pulled into that conversation. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it really is them that create it. Yeah, so true. What are some of the things that you've put in place to help cultivate a community inside of your inside of your gym? Yeah, I think really like the system, like the systems we put in place in terms of the business itself are what really help. Like it's a small community. Like we only have 1,200 square feet of training space, um, which a lot of people see as a limitation, but that's actually like our greatest asset. Um, like Ooh, no one that. doesn't know each other. You know what I mean? And like there's this one little bench where everybody puts their stuff when they come in and like, even our one-on-ones have to interact with the class and, and all the people and the parents waiting for kids. And you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty cool. Um, and we do think like that small space helps promote that. Oh, I love that. Have you had any resistance? How have you overcome the resistance? Like, especially for your introverted people. Yeah. And like, we do have people and I wouldn't even really say resistance. And that's the cool part is we do even offer one-on-one training. We're really trying to step away from that, but I do have some one-on-ones that like long-term they're just more introverted. They want that one-on-one environment and that's what we do. Um, so they do have, uh, options in terms of services and there are times like we can work with people and be like, Hey, this is when the gym's less busy. This is the time that's a lot more, a lot more popular. So I think there's the option for everybody right now. I love that. I love that. And that's helped. That's helped overcome resistance or, or objections, I guess, and then and create community, which I just think is so important, especially now and in the pandemic, because I don't think we've yet to see the impact of the isolation that we've gone through and, you know, how people are responding. I feel like we've just seen a lot of pressure cooker moments in the world and that having community, I think is essential. Yeah, well, a lot of people are seeing like a big upswing in in people participating in fitness in um, like COVID. And I know a lot of people attribute that to people being cooped up in like a lack of physical activity. But I would actually argue it's probably more like a desire to have community again. Um, Agreed. Me too. And and, right. Like, and what better place to have it than like a place where you get to like move your body to and and do some kind of like cool, challenging, fun stuff. Um, In my opinion, I'm obviously a little biased, but. I'm biased too, but I agree. I think that that is like, I think that people have really, you know, suffered and struggled during this time. Like they didn't even realize they needed, you know, I think that even the people that would consider themselves sedentary still noticed a decline in their physical activity and movement. Right. Cause even if like what, like what we find with people who like, that's one of the things we'll ask on their intake form is how active they are. Right. And even people who say they're very sedentary at work like we will find like oh but you do get up and you have to move for this and that and like it is built into your day right and if you're literally not getting up for anything because you're you're just working from home uh it can be tough i i I mean this was one of the biggest impacts i'll i'll share from me personally was because i you know even people who consider themselves sedentary are commuting even if it's like you know walking downstairs walking to your car parking walking to work and go from that to like literally now your commute is like walk down the stairs you're not even getting dressed anymore which actually takes effort you're taking away so many uh and like if you're counting steps steps (laughs) right there yeah i mean i was commuting to new york city and i was you know that's ten thousand steps right there yeah yeah 
And now all of a sudden I'm down to 200. You, it's like the small things in life that people don't realize have such a massive impact on their mental health and their physical health. Absolutely. And that's why we're always looking for people to like find that thing outside of the gym too. Right. Is like, and like steps for us, sometimes we'll get people like a step goal, but a lot of times it's like, go for a walk with your partner or your dog or whatever it may be. And like, find that thing that, that makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it sounds, it sounds so simple, but oftentimes just because it's simple, doesn't mean that it's easy for people. I think, yeah. And honestly, like sometimes the simplest things are the hardest, right? Cause like, you know, it's simple and, and you feel like you don't need to go all in on it. But a lot of times it's those simple things that you do have to go all in on. Yeah. Yeah. Your clients feel this too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, again, I think that like one of the hardest things that people are not hardest, but uh, one of the things we have biggest conversations over is like consistency and adherence and, and like just trusting the process long enough for, to see those results that you're looking for. Mm, so how, so how do you navigate those types of conversations? Cause I think it's two things, right. Or three things. It's also expectations. Like people guess, come uh, yeah. in with expectations and then, yeah. and adherence and the shame spiral. How do you navigate these conversations? I think you like the first thing you said, the expectations is like the biggest thing that we do. Uh, and we also provide our clients with like a lot of education and like provide those conversations to happen while they're here too. Um, so I feel like we do re-educate and kind of like re-navigate those expectations in the beginning. And that helps a lot. Um, but then we also, again, like I talked about earlier, build in like those progressive small wins that they can see. Um, so again, like instead of like looking for pounds on the scale, which might occur a lot slower, it's like, well, look at how much vegetables you had last week or look how you were consistent with this uh, and give them those little wins. So good. And that helps them? We find, yeah. But that is, uh, again, like the hardest part is, is nutrition. Um, as I'm sure a lot of a lot of coaches will talk about. Yeah. So the best part is if we can't find that we can help them to the best of our abilities, we do have like a nutrition coach that we will refer out to. Um, and we work hand in hand with, which is awesome. Uh, so we just really have, we're like, all right, let's take it to the next level. And why don't you go meet with her name's Anne and Anne's the best. <laughs> That's amazing. So you do navigate nutrition conversations. Yeah. And like, that's actually something that we're a little bit unique about is we navigate them very differently and personal to each person. And that's again, like how we create this custom experience is a lot of people that come to us might have prior um, or working through an eating disorder. Um, and those are things where, for example, uh, like their therapist, they're, they're not going to engage with nutrition at all. And that's okay. Um, and that's like the unique part about our gym is we try and keep like general nutrition talk off of the coaching floor while people are there. And that's something that we can only do because we have such a small amount of people training at once. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not available to talk about nutrition. Um, and those are the conversations that we'll have on the side with clients and stuff and have seminars and, but it's something that you can opt in and out of. <clears throat> so it's, is it a rule that you don't talk about nutrition in your facility? Yeah. Well, and it's not a rule that we don't talk about it, but we try and avoid like, um, like if you're familiar with like the concept of diet culture and diet culture talk. Of course. Um, and again, we'll try and like reframe a lot of those conversations. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. It's like, if someone says like, Hey, like I ate a ton of vegetables, no one's going to be like, Hey, like keep it down over there. You can't talk about <laughs> that. Right. Like we're off, like awesome. And everyone will congratulate that person. But it is something where like, if someone starts talking about like, uh, like, like negatively talking about their body on the coaching floor, like the coach will acknowledge it, but then we're going to reframe it and we're going to reframe it for them, but also in front of other people. So we set that example, um, which is hard. And it's hard for me to do as a person, but it's something that we need to do. Um, and we find that that helps. 
That's great. Do you have to, I mean, I think the psychology, the psychology of the psychology of, of a client's what they go through in terms of eating and adherence, it's really intense and in depth in a lot of our work. We yeah. have to deal with that. Like that's the majority of the work. It's it's usually not about strategy. And this is also true, by the way, for business building too. It's usually not about the strategy and it's not about what you say, how you say it. It's about navigating through the, the waters of what is actually resistance and what is like much deeper trauma essentially. Right. And it's really hard too, when you identify as a coach, like you're like, like you get to that point point, you're like, Oh, I, I know I can't help with that. Um, yes. and, and like you don't, and sometimes you don't even know how to tell the client that, or you can't tell the client that, um, or they're not ready to hear that. Right. Oh, um, yes. Cause it's not your role either to be like, they're, I don't know. I think a lot of times we overstep our boundaries. Right. And outside of the gym, we're not in control of their life at all. So that's yes. again, where we can have those like referrals out and that's the cool part is then it allows us like have the conversation but super objectively um and, and we almost are like well if you think that you need to talk about that why don't you talk about it with this person um and, and it goes a lot better that way yes it does my gosh yes um i i also think that and i've i've shared this before and i think it's important to reiterate too is that when you can say Hey, let's, when you can refer out it, I personally think that it, it demonstrates more trust and value and deepens the connection to the relationship to the client. Cause if you're trying to be everything to one person, I and mean, this is true in all relationships. I say this to my husband, like I can't be everything, but one thing you need right. to have multiple different influences, relationships, you know, to help you be happy. That's not my responsibility. Right. So I feel like it'll deepen that connection with your client when you can say, Hey, I think this person can help you with this at a deeper level than me. Right. And especially with the, some of the conversations we have too, right. Is that like, we really try and like, for example, the seminars we put on are like, what do you guys need? Like, what do you want? What are your questions? And the cool thing is we've created this like kind of almost like a, a psychological safe space, if you will, and where people can answer those questions and not feel judged. So we just had someone come in and do a pelvic health seminar. Um, and she's so another good. coach in the area, but she's also like a CPT. Um, yeah. And she specializes in pelvic health. And it's so like, good. hey, I don't want to have this conversation with you because I know you're not going to feel comfortable with me having it. So like, let's have someone who's way smarter, way better, and way better at talking about those things come in and have it with you. Um, Especially and, since you have the postpartum world. Oh my goodness. I, I, it is wild. And like, again, I was super unknowledgeable myself, but that's not something we learn about. Um, and the more I learn about it, the more I know I don't learn, know anything about it. Um, oh so my yeah. Gosh, and me again, too. that's like, yeah, it, it's a lot. So we were like, let's have someone come in who knows everything. Um, so we did. I mean, I was really embarrassed. I, I, I was embarrassed for all the moms I used to work with that I thought I knew I was helping. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, thank God bodies are resilient. Yeah, those <laughs> all those poor women. I was like, all right, we're going to start with some jumping jacks. And oh they my at me God. And I just didn't understand. And now I get it. And I, I wish I could let up. Sorry. Me yeah. too. Me too. I always want to go back and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. But you did it. We're we. <laughs> We made it. Yeah, we made it. And they made we it too. Made that's, it. The, that's the important part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, this is what I also think is the curse of a, of, of a good coach is that we always oftentimes 
know there's more to learn. So then we get like paralysis by analysis because we're like, I don't want to hurt anyone because I know back in the day I, I could have potentially, you know, so it's definitely a nuanced conversation of being like implement so that you can learn. <laughs> oh, and I personally have the hardest time with that myself. Yeah, I can, I can relate tremendously. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, me too. I still sometimes lay awake at night cringing, thinking of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, all the time. Or things that happened like five years ago, you're like, oh, wake up and cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Been there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anyway, I totally get it. Um, so um, I definitely... I definitely want to be mindful of your time. So uh, I want to, I'll, I, so I have just a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up and you can share with us like where we can continue to work with you and learn about, learn about your facility and come and support you. So I will add like my, one of my last questions is, and what I love to ask people is what would you go back and tell yourself when you first started this journey, what is it that you wish you knew now? Or, or what is it that you know now that you wish you knew that? Oh my goodness. Uh, that's, there's so much. Um, yeah. Oh, give me, give me what you got. I, and I know this is getting like a little bit deeper and, and, and like kind of uh, vague, but I would say it's more of like a better understanding of myself. Um, because I think that as I've understood myself better, I'm able to better voice what we want in the fitness industry in the world and in our business. Um, and I know Anna would probably say something very similar as well. Um, and I'm actually glad that I didn't know that in the past because it made me go through a lot of stuff to learn that. Uh, so I, I guess that's my answer. Powerful. I think that for me as a coach, it's been hard for me to navigate because honestly, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think that, you know, anyone who says that business isn't personal is just kidding themselves. Um, and I say this because we have to live on the razor's edge of caring about everything and nothing at the same time. And I've said that a million times. So, uh, you know, but it can be hard for someone who's newer and like, no, 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 this is only business. I don't have anything to do with it. Right. Really, and I, you have everything to do with it. Absolutely. And I have, again, personally, the hardest time with that. Like you said, the razor's edge of like caring and not caring. Because again, like people are going to cancel, things are going to happen, bad things happen, but it's like not emotionally attaching, but then also emotionally attaching enough to be like, is there a reason it's happening? And what do we need to do to fix that? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, great. So where are some of the best places I can send people your way? Honestly, I would say the best place is definitely our Instagram. That's where we're the most active. Uh, and that's really where you can see like the, the most, like what we're about and kind of the community that we have here. Um, so we're Ascent Training. Uh, it's underscore Ascent underscore training on Instagram. Okay, cool. Okay, great. And we'll make sure that we tag all of that up. So thank you so much for- No, thank you. We appreciate it. Oh, it was so good. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. 
When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.